Anyways. <laughs> um, so this is, well, there's quite a few points in this one, uh, in this whole series, I think. Uh, if I can, I write 26 or so, which is a lot. So we're just taking our time. Um, but they're all mostly simple common sense, or they should be sort of things that we need to do, or we should do to have harmony in our lives and in the church. Uh, and we saw last week that a lot of these things kind of come from pride, which is why the first thing we need to do is lay ourselves down on the altar. Uh, if, we can kind of, if we can get our pride out of the way, under control, however you want to worry, get rid of it, um, it's a whole lot easier to have harmony. You know, even, uh, even in heaven, somebody got some pride in there, and they had to kick him out. Ooh. Anyways, that just came to me. But anyways, um, uh, so often, as we said, like it's often the case is when we kind of go through these things, we're like, well, that doesn't apply to me, and that, and that, whatever, whatever. But um, we kind of just brush things off. But again, if we could just, you know, be honest with ourselves and with God, hope let God speak to us, um, because. Even as I'm going through them, there's things that I don't do very well in, in this. Um, and so, I'm not saying I'm better than everyone else, but hopefully this isn't just for me. <laughs> and you're all just along for the ride. Uh, but anyways, the Bible says, Romans 12 and 16, these are kind of, these three verses are kind of our, our, um, our foundation, I guess. Uh, it says, live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud. Enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. 14 and 19 says, so then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. And 15 and 5 says, may God who gives us patience and encouragement help you to live in complete harmony with each other as is fitting for the followers of Christ Jesus. So the Bible tells us what that we should live in harmony. We should aim for harmony. And that it's a fitting thing for those that follow Jesus um, to do. And so these three verses, again, they're kind of scattered throughout pretty evenly throughout Romans 12 to 16. And uh, this is kind of the theme we're running with, harmony. Uh, and as we've said, we're living in a kind of a wild time, not the wild west, but um, a bit of a wild day. There's a lot of chaos in our, our world every day. Like you said, there's, there's something else going on to be upset about. Um, riots, protests, all these sorts of things. And social media is good for some things, but one of the things it's not good for is this. It's kind of highlighted this. Um, polarizing views and, you know, and we kind of will surround ourselves with narratives that fit our opinions. And our ideas, I saw this thing and someone was like, um, well, I did some research and I found some, and you can search for anything and you can find something to back up what your opinion is. And that's what people do in the wall out right and just ignore all the other things they're saying otherwise. I told you before, um, I, rem I remember we talked about coffee and there were studies that said coffee was bad for you and you would die early if you drank it. And then there was other studies that said you would live longer and be healthier. The same thing. So, so this is what, this is where we live. Nobody knows. And we like to pick sides and we like to argue and get on each other and, and fight. And people don't really seem to care 
Um, but with the other side things, no one really wants to learn. They kind of, so social media has kind of highlighted that. And we just surround ourselves uh, or we follow people on social media that think like we do. And we have people that just say things to, to get people worked up. It's called rage farming, in case you're wondering. Just saying ridiculous things to get people to go to their website or click on things or whatever. And the people have become the product and the people that are using us don't really care one way or another, as long as they're getting paid. And so that's where we are. And our society is kind of crumbling in that sense. And nobody, you know, we're trying, they're trying to pit us against each other. And um, re people refuse to see things through other people's eyes or even try. One side wants to destroy the other. And this is, this is where we are. And uh, I say all that to depress you right at the beginning because that's what I'm good with at. But the Bible, the Bible says that we're called out from the world. And if we're not careful, this sort of division and stuff can get into our hearts and it can creep into the church. And so we're called out from the world's way of thinking. We're supposed to be not conformed to the world. You know, we're supposed to be like Jesus. And so God doesn't want us to live like this, divided and attacking each other and all of that, fighting with each other. And so he's called us out from it. And so... Thankfully, God just doesn't call us out from it, but he shows us how to live properly um, if we read our Bible. And so that's what we're kind of going through, these different pointers. And so um, in the book of Romans, so far we've talked about ten things. We've talked about repentance or the need to sacrifice ourselves. And everything starts with this at the altar. If we don't get that right, then none of the other things are going to work. You try as hard as you want, but if your heart's not right with God, then you're not going to get anywhere. Um, the second thing we talked about, humility, or you aren't a big deal. Sorry. Don't think more highly of yourself than you should. The third thing we talked about, how um, our expectations of each other need to change. Because everyone's different, and we can expect you to be like me, and me to be like someone else, and all that does is cause division and people get upset with each other because lo and behold we're all different um we talked about giftings and how everyone's been giving given gifts by god and we should use those to to um help the church encourage teach prophesy give lead show kindness and serve talked about really loving people and loving the right things not pretending because that people can see through that and there's nothing more awkward than someone pretending they love you um, help. We talked about practicing help and hospitality and being there for each other and supporting each other. Um, talked about blessing our persecutors. And that was real fun. We talked about enjoying the company of each other. And uh, not being a know-it-all. Back to humility. This keeps coming back. Because we're fighting pride. Humility. The second time. Don't think you know everything because you don't. And if that offended you, then you need to work on that. <laughs> All right. And then the last thing we talk about forgiveness or not getting revenge, leaving it up to God. And so, so we're going to carry on after this long introduction. But one thing to remember is that harmony, again, it starts at the altar. It all starts with us presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice. If we don't, these other things aren't going to come. So harmony begins with 
me. I can't control you. You can't control me as much as you'd like to, and sometimes I would like to. I can't, and you can't. The only person you can control is yourself. And if you don't want to have harmony in your life, then go ahead and be miserable. That's up to you. I have no control over that. All I can control is myself and how I treat you and how I react and how I view things and live my life. So harmony begins with me. It's often connected with my attitude and pretend that I'm you as well. And um, how I view and treat people. This is all things that we can do you know, to ourselves. So I, again, I can't force you to do anything. I can't force you to live in harmony. This is something you need to do Personally. Alright, so point number 11. Work to live in peace with everybody. You ready? Romans 12 and 18 says, If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. The New Living says, Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. With everything in you, live in peace with who? People you like? People you get along with? People who look like you, dress like you, sound like you, talk like you, people who vote the same way as you, people in the same age group as you, or the same financial bracket, I don't know, people who like the same hockey team as you. That one's tough. Sometimes. Everyone. He says, as much as you can, or if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all Men, do all that you can with everything in you, not everything in them, everything in you, to do it. Not if they want to, or if they do, then, then you can. Everything that you can do. And this, oh, well, you know what? Let's, let's just go, let's just go. This means... Sometimes, well, all the time, thinking before we speak. <laughs> this means sometimes I need to sh shut it down and stop talking, stop saying things. Because that's something I can do, <laughs> or I should be able to work at it. This means not retaliating, again, not getting revenge, talked about last week. This means not yelling and screaming and fighting with everyone, then wondering why there's no peace. I mean, sometimes we gotta, we tell our kids to, take a deep breath, count to ten, but then when we become adults, we don't need to do it anymore. <laughs> Maybe this means not telling it like it is sometimes. Because we only seem to want to do that when it's negative. <laughs> Nobody's ever come up to me and said, you know what, I'm just going to be honest. Can I just be honest with you? You're great. And it's never happened. Usually it's a list of things that I'm not good at. <laughs> well, this is going to be good, isn't it? This is just the first one. That means gossiping, slander, rumors, fighting. It's got to stop. As much as I can. I can control these things. I cannot do these things. As much as I can. 
you know? If, if, uh, if it's your goal just to stir the pot or to get someone riled up, according to the Bible, you're wrong. You're not doing all that you can to live in peace. Well, a couple of you are okay with me. If you say things just to get someone upset, just to prove how clever you are or smart you are, then you're wrong. You're not doing all you can to live in peace. You need to treat people with respect. You don't want to feel like a fool. So why do we go our way to try to make other people do it? We don't want to be talked about. We all, everyone... You ever notice that? The people that complain about people talking about them the most are the ones that talk about others the most. It's weird. <laughs> we don't like being attacked, so why are we attacking someone? Well, they deserved it. Yeah, we deserve all sorts of things, but Jesus set us free from that. He forgave us, and so we need to forgive them. We could stay there for a long time if you like. But again, this starts with with me. I need to stop it. It's up to me if there's going to be peace. I'm not saying we need to be a doormat, you know, and just let it, whatever, happen. But, you know, believe what the Bible says. Stand for the Word of God. But aside from that, do all that you can to live in peace. Some folks, they, they like to focus on the if it be possible. Right? And then they shift the blame to the other person. See, it's not possible. Wilma is impossible. I cannot. <laughs> she makes it so difficult. Nobody can get along with her. Sorry. I don't know why I said your name. That's what we do. Oh, if it would be possible. I can't. I tried. They, they, they're, they're a mess. I can't, I can't deal with them. You know, they, nobody can get along with them. But that's not the focus of the verse. The focus is me again. As much lieth in you with all that you can. It doesn't, it doesn't mean to, to try and blame the other person. But try with everything that you have. Everything that's in you. And hopefully you've got the Holy Ghost in us. And that should make it a little bit easier. Sorry, woman. Make peace. Please forgive me. Bless your persecutors. We mentioned mentioned this a bit of last week, um, but we'll do it again because you'll find that as we go through these, some of these things kind of blend together. But Jesus said, what, Matthew 5 and 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. And peacemakers is not something that we often see ourselves as, as Christians, or even something that we often strive to be. We like to be fighters and warriors and soldiers, you know, defending the faith and and that sort of thing. But we're supposed to be peacemakers. Uh, a peacemaker is not really one of those things. A peacemaker is somewhere in the middle. Um, and it's not an easy thing to do. People, peacemakers will send armies into battle areas to try to stop it. You're going to attack from both sides. You know, it's... It's work and it's hard. It's something that needs to be made. And that's just in the physical. In the spiritual, it's often very much the same. It's a blessed thing to be a peacemaker. It comes from, this is the only time it's used in the Bible, the Greek 
you can figure it out if you like, but it means um, a pacifist or a loving peace or a peacemaker. But it's, it's someone who is a pacifist or someone who loves peace. And we live in a society where revenge is often the goal and we'll, we've got to fight and argue and win and prove how clever we are and how foolish everyone else is. We've got to tear everyone down and attack and hurt each other. And very few people love peace. Often their idea of peace, again, is like unity and harmony. It's everybody doing what I want. When you think of a peaceful home, it's just everybody listening to me, right? They would all just be quiet and do what I say. Never. But the problem is, if I, that's what I think peace is. If I think peace in the church is you guys just all do whatever I say, whatever I want. I don't want to pick a woman again. But then someone else. And Sherman's idea of peace is everyone doing what Sherman wants. And then Sherman and I, we both want different things. Now we've got conflict. He's a hard guy to get mad at. But. But peace often becomes out of our grasp because of our attitudes or again our pride or our ego. We'd rather, sometimes we'd rather be right than have peace. We'd rather be the boss. We'd rather be in charge than have peace. We'd rather not admit our wrongs than have peace. And so we'll argue and fight and do everything to avoid having peace. Again, I'm not saying that we need to just be doormats in order to have peace. Jesus definitely wasn't. He stood up to people all the time. Paul and Peter, they also did. Sometimes peacemaking involves that sort of thing as well. Sometimes making peace means removing something or someone else. I've been reading a, a book about one of the men who founded the UPCI. Um, it starts like the early 1900s when the Holy Ghost started being poured out again um, in Topeka, Kansas and Azusa Street and all this. And it's talking about all these different founding fathers and um, you know, God moving in mighty ways. And 16 hour services one guy was at. 16 hours. We're done after one, so I don't know. I can't even imagine. That's the kind that someone falls asleep in the window. <laughs> but they would they would pray, they'd have, you know, they'd set up a Bible school and they would they'd teach all morning, have a service noonish, teach all afternoon, and have service or two in the, in the evening every day and they would just go and God was working and God was moving but even through the, the thousands were healed thousands were filled with the Holy Ghost and it just spread all over um, North America but even in the middle of all that you can see the pride from some of these guys and the ego and so after a few years there starts to be divisions and they start spreading rumors about this person or that person to so they can have power and they can be the one in charge. Even in the middle of all this. You know, that's, that's what happens. P people let pride and stuff get in the way. You can see the conflict and power struggles. And keeping peace sometimes is a very challenging road to walk. Because if, if just one person doesn't want it, then they can wreck it for everyone else. This, that's why we need to make it. We need to work with each other. There needs to be cooperation and harmony. Part of Jesus' goal for his kingdom is to have peace and 
harmony. The Apostle Paul very much believed in harmony and peace in the church. And it doesn't come naturally. It's something we need to be that needs to be made. This is my longest point, so don't worry. I don't know this long. Um, but some people don't want to live in peace. Some people aren't happy until everyone else is miserable along with them. A peacemaker is someone who is calm, surprisingly enough, to have a sense of peace about them. You can't be a peacemaker running around all crazy and stirring everything up. No. So a peacemaker is set about to promote peace in others, to spread that peace and that unity, that togetherness, that brotherhood. And like Paul said, as much as they can, with whatever they have in them, they strive for peace. They don't sow discord, they don't um, they avoid contention, they diffuse it in others, and they reconcile, they forgive, they restore peace, they, they keep silent when they need to, you know, and, and they preserve peace where, where it is. If you want to be like Jesus, we should be makers of peace. There's a little prophecy about Jesus. You might have heard this. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. And what? The Prince of Peace. Whew. And we are his disciples. Can the same be said of us? Do we bring peace with us or do we cause contention and strife and anger? Some people pride themselves on stirring the pot or getting others riled up. And sorry, I hurt your feelings, but that is not Christ-like. All right, we'll move on. This one's even better. Submit to authorities. Romans 13, 1 to 5 says, Let every soul be subject unto higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth, resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is a minister of good to thee, or minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is a minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, you must needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. And I lost you halfway in between, in the middle there, so we're going to read it in a clearer version. Everyone must submit to governing authorities, for all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Do what is right, and they will honor you. The authorities are God's servants, sent for your good. But if you are doing wrong, of course, you should be afraid, for they have power to punish you. They are God's servants, sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. So you must submit to them, not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a clear conscience. So that is wonderful stuff. If you believe that God is in control, and... Uh, I do. We say that we do. Um, but then we have to believe. Are you ready for it? 
that he's in control. And that includes the government. I don't care who the prime minister, the premier, the president of the United States is. It, this is going oh, to ruffle your feathers. It does not matter. God is in control. And if you don't believe that, and I hate to break it to you, but we're not worshiping the same God. Because either God is in control and almighty, or he is not. Amen. And I believe that he is. Amen. Paul is writing this to the, to the church, where? In Rome. This is where everything is based. Persecution, shortly after this, is going to pick up pretty soon. And God ordained, if we believe that God, the Bible is breathed by God, inspired by God, he got Paul to write this to the church before this happened. You know, Paul himself, before he was saved, he had the authority to arrest Christians from who? From the government. And yet, here he is, knowing all that, saying that we need to submit to authority. He says, because all authority has been given by God. You don't think if God wanted, didn't want someone in a position, he could remove them? Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 4 lost his mind and wandered around like a wild animal so God could prove that he was in control. He worked on Pharaoh in the hardness of his heart and worked through that to set Israel free. He put David on the throne. He removed others. It says, so anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted and they will be punished. Look at easier after this one. But that's some pretty strong stuff. We are called to obey the law and authority. And as, as fun as that sounds, that's how harmony works. And that's how we live peacefully. It's, and it's, a, it's a different thing altogether when the law contradicts the word of God. Right? I'm not saying you know, in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's story, they did the right thing. Daniel did the right thing. Peter and John refusing to stop preaching about Jesus, that was the right thing to do. But the laws that we have, you know, we can follow them. Amen. <laughs> there were a few times when Paul used the Roman law to save himself. And because he was a law-abiding citizen, it worked. Some people, nobody here, of course, but think they're living in like a Western movie or something, and they're John Wayne, and they got to listen to nobody. Oh, I remember 2020. Oh, but you're not. And this is not a movie. <sighs> they are God's servants sent for the very purpose. This is uncomfortable. I'm feeling warm. Uh, of punishing those who do what is wrong. So you must submit to them, not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a clear conscience. <sighs> you can call me names if you like and say other than fear or whatever. But this is what the Bible says. Amen. I'm living in the will of God. There's a difference between living in fear and using wisdom and doing what is right. But there are times where there will be corruption in the government. I'm not naive, that naive to think there isn't. 
There will be times when we will need to go against what the law says, if it contradicts what the Bible says. You know, Daniel, for example, worshiping the beast, or the, the image. Um, in these places where they tell you to convert or, or die. Um, you know, there are non-negotiables, but for the most part, both are very doable, especially where we live. Christians should be good citizens. Again, this isn't about worshiping other things or bowing down to some other things, but some people seem to think because they didn't vote for a guy, they don't have to listen to what he says. It's not my president, not my prime minister. They kind of are. You're a citizen of the country. Anyways, this is getting good. But God has placed authorities where they are. And sometimes, I believe, um, he's allowed certain people to remain in charge, whether we want them or not, to strengthen us, to sometimes push the church, to prayer, to holiness, to more consecration and dedication, to pray for boldness. You saw in the book of Acts, that's what they did. To submit to the Holy Ghost. I've heard of church gatherings in a country where it is highly illegal. And they said, um, they did not tell anyone where they were going to meet for service. People asked you where we were going to meet because they kept moving around and whatever. And it was getting so dangerous. They said, you know what? You pray about it. And the Holy Ghost will tell you where to go. And they did. And he did. And these people are literally walking by faith. But some people in the North American church, I don't think the Holy Ghost has been able to lead them to do anything in 50 years because they're too stubborn and oblivious. So what's better? To live in a place where it's illegal and you can be killed, but you're, you're able to follow the Holy Ghost to wherever you need to go? Or to be so comfortable, what's better? The church always thrives in, in persecution. Anyways, God works through these things. And then the wall, now we've got to listen because whatever, you know. God works in, in, in mighty and powerful ways in some of these places where, you know, they're, they're law abiding citizens except for they worship Jesus. Um, in spite of the governments that God's allowed to be put there sometimes because of the governments but even in these places they're not causing scenes and uproars and they're not you know they trust that God is in control we've had a pretty good here for a very long time but this is part of how we have harmony and if you're feeling the urge to rise up against the government and fight and rebel that's what they wanted Jesus to do and he didn't he submitted to the authorities. He was crucified. He could have called down angels. And so, you know, if you want to fight, do it on your knees in prayer. That's what the Bible tells us to do. And the Bible also says that God puts leaders there, and that means that he is in control. And that means that I need to trust him no matter who is in control or who's in what position or whatever. But we can spend so much time worrying and stressing and complaining about the governments or the leaders or the authorities and all those things that it kind of bleeds into our emotional and spiritual lives and it really hinders us. 
And then we wonder why we don't have harmony because we're feeding all this stuff. And we bring chaos on us. We get so caught up in the politics and the drama when we just need to trust God. He's in control. Walk in the Holy Ghost. Walk in the Spirit. Let Him work. And if we can do that and leave it in His hands, harmony is going to happen. The next one's funny. But um, pay your taxes. <laughs> Goes along with the last one. Romans 13, 6 to 7 says, For this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. Render thou, render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. So New Living says, Pay your taxes too, for these same reasons, for the government workers need to be paid. They're serving God on what they do. So if God put them there, then they're, anyways, give to everyone. When you owe them, pay your taxes and government fees to those who collect them and give respect and honor to those who are in authority. This one's pretty straightforward. Be a law-abiding citizen and pay your taxes. I don't know if, how long we need to spend on this one, but he says government people need to get paid too. Right? Yep, okay. Whether you think they deserve it or not, that's not up to us. He says, pay your taxes and government fees to those who collect them. This, again, he wrote this at a time when tax collectors were notorious for being um, crooked and ripping people off. And he said, give it to them anyway. You're not the judge. You're not the jury. God is in control. If they rip you off, whatever, he's still in control and you've kept your witness. He even goes so far as to say, respect them, honor them in authority. Even if they're former drama teachers, even if you don't like their policies, even if you don't agree, we can't agree. We can't even agree with everything with people in our own church who believe the same as us. We can't agree with everything with our own spouses or family. But somehow we seem amazed when a leader or a politician does something we don't agree with. Can you believe this guy? Can you believe what he said? The Bible says respect them anyway. That's how we have harmony. Again, to the church. He wrote this to the church in Rome. This was written uh, in the mid-50s, the original 50s. And in less than 10 years, in 64 AD, two-thirds of Rome would be consumed in a fire that the emperor Nero would blame on the Christians. And then it became open season on them. In less than 10 years after this was written. But yet God is speaking through Paul here and telling the church that in that city... In that city to respect those in authority because God has placed them there. That's going to be hard to believe when they're rounding you up and feeding you into lions and using you to. Yeah, I don't need to go into the details what they did, but but yet this is what he's saying. No matter how bad things get or may not get, you know I I can't see it being that bad here. So if they could do it, I'm sure we can. Uh, so pay your taxes. <laughs> and to go along with that, don't withhold payments or debts. So verse 8 says, Owe no man anything. We'll do the rest of the verse after. But owe no man anything. There's nothing. I don't know if you ever had a brother or sister owe you money. But it's very uncomfortable. Um, nothing like debt between brothers or sisters to cause friction. Um, it's even worse if they forget they don't even owe you anything because then you have to have this awkward conversation. And um, 
So to avoid this, Paul says, you know, don't go where you want anything. Let, don't let there be a reason for contention between each other. You, know, you can't really have harmony when you're all worked up about these sorts of things. Um, money is one of the big deal breakers in the world. It's one of the main causes for divorce other than unfaithfulness. It's one of the main reasons couples fight, families fight, even countries fight. Relationships are destroyed over money. When we owe someone something, it puts a strain on the relationship. You kind of avoid talking to them because you don't have it right now. Your landlord's there and you try to go in the back door or whatever you do to avoid them. Pretend you're not home. Oh, turn off the lights. Don't answer the phone. My father owed a lot of people a lot of things. He would change his name. <laughs> he would have several names that went by. I shouldn't have told you that. <laughs> and then, yeah, it made a mess for other people. But it goes, you know, it goes both ways, too. Um, the first week we talked about gifts. Um, one of it was, was giving. He said they'll give liberally. And if we're doing that, then we're not holding things over each other's heads either. Right? So to avoid all this, Paul says, just don't owe anyone anything except love. Just love each other. Um, I love my wife. <laughs> and... Um, If I, when we were like dating and stuff, if I paid for dinner, I didn't expect her to pay the next time. She didn't owe me something because of it. Because I, because there was love there. And if we could just love each other, you know, we will, the Bible says, fulfill the requirements of God's law. If we could just love each other, there'd be forgiveness, there'd be grace, there'd be giving liberally, there, we would just it would solve a lot of problems, which is the next point, the last one. Um, but this, this, this again, it goes against you know, our society, their priorities. This is contradictory to that. We're told to get as much as we can. You know, get ahead, get more of their neighbors. You know, you owe me and all this stuff. But Paul's saying, just love each other. Don't owe them anything. So he says in verse um, 8 again, owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Now this one I can barely read from here. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. If there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. And in the other version it says, Owe nothing to anyone except your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. For the commandments say, You must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. These and other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to others, so love fulfills the requirements of God's law. Everything in the Bible is easy to follow if we make love the focus. Jesus summed it all up and said, love God, love people as yourself. It's not a complicated thing. It, comes, it becomes complicated when we start putting limitations and restrictions on our love and who we love. Well, I don't need to love them because they're this. They're liberal. 
Well, I'll need to love them because they're even worse. They voted green. I don't know. Let's avoid these people because of this reason. Or, you know, I don't need to respect them because they, they do this for a living or they do that or they did this other thing or whatever. And we put these limit or these restrictions on people. But he says, love does no wrong to others. And because of that, it fulfills the law. If you want to sum up being a Christian in one word, it's, as Stephen Curtis Chapman said, it's all about love, 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 love. It's all about love, 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 love. That's a good song. You should hear it. But that's what should drive us every day, the love of Jesus. You know, we give to missions because we love souls. We want to see them saved. We treat each other with respect because we love each other. We follow um, all these things because we, we love each other. It's about putting yourself in someone else's shoes. And when we do that, harmony comes, becomes, or harmony comes naturally. Love makes a way. In a healthy marriage, is there disagreement? All the time. But because of love and respect for each other, you find a way to get along and work it out and hopefully have harmony. Love is a decision. Love is the basic attitude, if you will, of, that sets true Christians apart from the world. Jesus, we already said it, but he summed up the, the commandments. The Master, what is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said, And then thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. And then this is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And these two commandments hung, hang all the law and the prophets. Love will cause us to keep God's commandments when we show our love, um, we show our love for God by how faithfully we obey his word. First John 2 says, Hereby do we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He saith, He that saith, I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. So the love of God works and is perfected in us when we follow his word. Hereby know we that are uh, know we that we are in him. What does the word say about love? Jesus commanded we love one another like he loves us in John 15, 12 to 17. I didn't put this in your handouts, so you can write it if you like. It'll be fast. Loving uh, one another is the ultimate test of true Christianity. John 13, 34 to 35. If we do not love our brother and sister, then we do not love God. 1 John 4, 20 to 21. Love is the fulfillment of the law. Leviticus 19 and 18, Romans 13 and 10, James 2 and 8. God calls us to show love to everyone, even enemies. Matthew 5, 43 to 48. And this type of love is a proof of Christianity because even sinners love people who love them. Matthew 5 and 26. We can't overemphasize the necessity of love as a basis for all actions and relationship. 1 Corinthians 13 and 8 says that love never fails. We will not fail God or each other if we let love do its thing. Nothing we do is worth anything unless love is the underlying force in the thing that motivates us. First Corinthians 13, 1-3, Revelation 2, 1-5. Love is the most basic element of our Christian life. It is, only, uh, it is the only acceptable motivation for serving God. We're told in the Bible to love our neighbors, to love our brothers and sisters in the church, and even to love our enemies. First John 4.20 says, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he 
Um, for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Our love for God is dependent on how we treat each other and how we love each other. If we cannot love our fellow people, then we cannot love God. Amen. That's the Bible. Amen. That's not me. I would make it easier if it was me. But if we love the world and its values, its priorities, then we don't love God. Love is the test of true Christianity. Oh. If we truly loved each other, then jealousy, strife, gossiping, complaining, bitterness would be gone from our hearts and from our lives. And if we truly love God, then worldliness and rebellion would also be gone. And on the other hand, if we don't truly love each other and God, Nothing is going to make us right in his eyes. Knowing doctrine, knowing all the teachings and having everything lined up won't replace love. Dressing a certain way won't make up for a lack of it. Being involved in singing or playing an instrument won't make up for it. Praying the floweriest prayer won't make up for it. Speaking in tongues more than anyone else won't make up for not having love. Paul said, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have, if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. That's pretty powerful. Love is where it starts and ends. We can do um, whatever we think is important for the kingdom. We've all got ideas about what the church needs or what you know the kingdom of God needs. And we, you know, we can do whatever we think is important for the kingdom. But if we don't have love, whatever we are trying to do is pointless. Love keeps us grounded and love draws us closer to Jesus and to each other. Speaking in tongues, eloquence, prophecy, wisdom, knowledge, faith, sacrifice, philanthropy, works, patience, the right doctrine, the right leadership, the right fellowship, perseverance, and a zeal for the name of Jesus are all worthless without love. So we must have love. Love will cover all. The Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. Love alone solves problems. Whatever we've got going on, if we just love each other, it would, it would help an awful lot. So, is that, is that clear? Amen. Good stuff? Amen. Toes are okay? Are we going from the government thing? Alright. I brought it back up. <laughs> so, um, there was a lot of stuff. Some of it was probably controversial. Some of it might have been taken the wrong way. Some of you might have disagreed with me. That's fine. Just love me. And then we'll fix it. Um, I'm just trying to teach what Paul said there. But the main kind of theme running through all this is love and respect. And um, so we're going we're gonna to end in prayer like we, we do. Um, these are kind of things we talked about. Talked about peace. Um, so we're going to pray. Um, we have this love of Jesus in us and we're going to live in peace with people. We're going to listen. We're going to submit to authorities. They're just trying to do their, 
her jobs. We're gonna hopefully we pay our taxes. Hopefully that wasn't mind blowing to anyone. Oh man, we're not gonna owe each other anything. We're not gonna hold debt over others' heads. We're gonna forgive each other and um, and love. All right, so next. All right, let's just pray. I've been too long. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you, God, for your word, even though sometimes it's a little uncomfortable, and sometimes we don't want to hear it, and sometimes it hits home. And my God, I pray that you would help us to, to live, in, live in peace with, with those around us, God, as much as we can. God, I pray that you would help us to, to, to love each other, God, and not hold things over each other's head or... or hold others in debt or whatever, and God, I pray that hopefully we pay our taxes. God, I pray to help us to submit to authority, and God, pray for those over us, Jesus, even if we don't agree with everything they, they do or say, God, I pray that you would help us to be uh, good citizens of our, our country, and God, help us to uh, just reach your world, God, reach our world, I pray, with the gospel. I pray, God, that we would be shining lights in in our world, in our world of chaos, I pray that your harmony would, uh, would, would be in the church and be in our homes. In Jesus' name, I pray, God, let your will be done. God, continue to lead us and guide us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That was a, a bit of a mess, but let's, uh, let's come back Sunday. Hopefully there's no snow again. <laughs>